Uh, this morning we're going to be um, outside of Acts. We've been in Acts for several weeks. We're going to jump back in again next week. We actually have a summer series that's going to be coming up. It's going to be going through the majority of July, maybe creeping a little bit in June. We'll be letting you know how that's going to go um, just coming up soon. But this morning we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. Um, this has been, this is, I believe this is a, really a, a message that I believe the Lord's laid on my heart. Just, it, it definitely has a lot to do if you're graduating, if you're a family of graduates. But, but honestly, the more I read the scripture, the more I've studied it and read over it, the things that really leap out, um, this, is, this is a passage that I believe all of us this morning are going to be able to really reach in and take hold of something because it's going to apply to our lives. This has been an incredible graduation season. We're always excited to see all these names come through. Uh, my sister called me a couple of days ago. I've got a niece and a nephew. They're twins. Um, they're, they're both equally as smart. We don't have one that's just caught up with the other one. Um, but, but, but I have a set of twins, their niece and nephew, and they're graduating from Paige with Luke Starkey. Uh, they're going to be walking across the stage here in a few weeks. My nephew, my sister calls me. She said, hey, just to let you know, my, my nephew's name's Ethan. He said he just um, had his signing day. I don't know what your family's like, but my family has never been one that's been known for its prowess and athletic ability, okay? So, so for me to have a family member that had a signing day to a Division I school, it, like, it, it really needs to take note. Um, but, but here's the thing. This is the why just, you always just kind of smile when God works in amazing ways. Um, my nephew is such an anomaly in my family. He signed a D1 scholarship for cross-country. Let me just tell you something. The majority of my family is just like me. If you ever see us running, you don't stop. You don't check in. You don't, you don't just kind of say, hey, this must be about fitness. If you've seen us running, you've, you've become what we call a witness for the prosecution, okay? You're going to need to give testimony that we were, in fact, trying to escape something, some horrible event. And here my nephew has picked it up as a hobby and is, is going to be able to help him get an education. I'm, I'm just, man, I'm, I'm excited about what God's doing in his life. I'm glad it's his legs, not mine. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited for you families. Um, I, I'm right there with you for the first time next year. My, my junior will be a senior next year, and we'll be, we'll be going through some of the same excitement. What I want to talk about this morning is this. Um, thinking about our graduates, thinking about us as a church community, we have many times what I would call yes-no decisions. We have to decide in life what we're going to say yes to and what we're going to say no to. Now, um, some people have as their superpower, and you know who they are, the ability to say no. They just say no to everything. Um, they're almost unwilling to do anything. And in fact, if you just start a sentence with, hey, would you, they just, I mean, already you see them going, like it's, they're forming an end shape with their mouth. They just, it's going to be a no at everything. But if you probably also know someone who says yes to everything, and even to the point where it's absolutely exhausted them in their life. And I would say odds are probably more of us might even shade towards yes or shade towards no more than we've really spent time in our life really developing a spiritual discipline of, Lord, how do I say yes and no in the right ways? Now, if you're sitting there going, no, I think I'm somebody who perfectly knows how to say yes or no at the right time, just ask the person beside you that's staring at you already, and they nodded at one of those two examples because they were like, yep, you're a yes or you're a no person. This morning, we want to look at the life of Jesus for a time that he said no because when we think of Jesus, we think, I think, so much of just his grace and just him speaking in the affirmative, him saying yes to so many people that would approach him. But there's a few times where we see specifically that Jesus says no, and I think it's in those no's that we can learn some pretty great lessons, okay? So let's, we're going to start reading uh, Mark chapter 1. We're going to start reading in verse 25. And verse 25 
through verse 34 is going to paint the picture for the scenario that Jesus is in. So please listen to these details and kind of mentally try to put yourself in the spot that he's in. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. Simon, that's Peter, Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever and they told him about her at once. That's, they, they, they told Jesus. Uh, a parallel passage to this, you get a little bit more details about the, the mother-in-law and a little bit different perspective of who Jesus speaks to if you're interested in Luke chapter 4, towards the end of the chapter. They told him about Simon's mother-in-law. So he went to her, that's Jesus. You always know it's Jesus helping the mother-in-law because often the son-in-law doesn't do enough. Um, so he went to her and took her by the hand and raised her up. The fever left her and she began to serve them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they brought to him all those who were sick and demon-possessed. The whole town was assembled at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. He would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In fact, uh, if you go into Luke chapter 4, some of the demons that he was casting out actually began to declare and identify him as the Messiah. Why did Jesus tell them to be quiet? Well, number one, they spoke the truth. They, they did, in fact, know that this was God's Son sent to earth in the flesh. But if you kind of think about that environment, what kind of confusion would have been raised if demonic presence was identifying Jesus, someone weak in their faith or, or beginning in their faith may look at that as almost a partnership instead of an opposing side. But we also see Jesus many times kind of keeping a little bit under wraps his identity and some of the things that he did because in just this perfect way, Jesus was revealing to people in stages who he was. And it's a reminder that God in our life brings to us in seasons growth opportunities, knowledge, information, insight, revelation to his word as we need to receive it during those seasons. I know if you're like me, I want to know it all right now. But my mind probably couldn't handle it all right now. Jesus knows at what point my brain explodes. So he's so gracious in how he gives us wisdom in that way. Now, what we're beginning ready to see is Jesus is going to have two really good opportunities. Two really good opportunities. So let's see how he handles it. Verse 35, we see what he does um, ahead of these opportunities coming to him. It says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, He got up and went out and made his way to a deserted place, and there he prayed. So what would a deserted place look like that Jesus went to? Because it would would seem like if Jesus, who, who could perfectly pray to the Father where he was, got up and removed himself, he went somewhere, then that there must have been a purpose to that. A deserted place in in this culture would have been somewhere. It's it's not totally desolate. It's not like it's a it's a sandy desert that we might imagine. But it's somewhere that's, that, that's going to be very underpopulated. And if anything, underdeveloped as far as what people have built, what people were doing, uh, there would be probably no economic trade, anything like that going on in the media area. It's far enough away to where it's probably very natural, but, 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 but more secluded, quiet. Um, I, one, of the, one of the ways I, I, I really like and appreciate that it's phrased by one pastor that I heard recently, um, he, he said it this way. Um, he, he described a deserted place in the New Testament that Christ would go to as an unhurried space, somewhere that you could get away to that there's nothing that's pushing on you to speed up your process of prayer and seeking the Lord. Enough distractions gone, 
so that you could concentrate better would be the kind of place that Jesus would have went. And it's, it's, it's so amazing if we look through Scripture in, in Genesis to Revelation, how many times God speaks directly and works mightily in those kinds of places. Um, if you look at the Old Testament, it seems like God is always up to something in, in what he calls the wilderness. And, and it's this just kind of um, area where there's just, there's just nothing but his people um, and their dependency on him. Simon and his companions searched for him, and when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. Now, there's a phrase that I've heard in years past. I think it's so good. As believers, to develop the spiritual discipline of figuring out how do we say no to some, even fact, good things so that we can say yes to better ones. I think that's about as good as you can probably put that phrase. Because saying no is really never, I mean, unless you really get enjoyment. And some people really get enjoyment out of saying no. But, but for most of us, saying no to something, especially when it's something good, doesn't just leave you with a satisfied feeling. I mean, when you realize there's more than one thing happening at one moment, more than one place to be, and it's, and it's all people that it, it, at least generally you care about, and you know that you can't do everything, you don't want to say no to someone. Sometimes we kind of self-impose this feeling of, well, if I say no, then I'm letting them down. And I'd rather me, you ever said this? I'd rather me put myself out than put them out. And a lot of times I think in some ways we feel like we're serving people when maybe we're just putting ourselves in an unhealthy place. Because surely God would seem to reason that he's everywhere, but he knows I'm not. He knows you're not. But we really do get torn with this kind of thing. And I believe that God lays out in our life, all through Scripture, different things that at certain seasons especially are more significant, more impactful for each of us individually than other things. Now, here we want to look at Jesus and his response to these two opportunities so we can really take, really take some spiritual insight here. Number one, I want you to look at this, and please understand this idea. God in the flesh, Jesus, God in the flesh, Jesus, as, as a Christian, we're called to emulate his life. We're called to live like him. Our conversations are supposed to sound like the grace that he would come out with. The, the kind of timing that we have is supposed to be Jesus-level timing. How do we say things at such the right time that it, that it really serves people as an encouragement? It builds up. It gives life, as the Word of God says. But please notice, we, we, I think sometimes we think of Jesus this way. I, I, I can't possibly live up to who Christ is because he could do everything. Well, no, right here in this story, clearly Jesus identifies, I can't do everything. God in the flesh and Jesus had limitations. I mean, think about the work that he was doing. He was healing people. He was casting out demon possession. That, that was demonic control over someone's life so that they could not surrender their heart, their beliefs, their convictions, their, their will, their life to the Lord. They, they couldn't have the freedom of, of connection in a community, in a family. They could not go out and have a career and work. They, they couldn't have any of those experiences because they were being controlled by our enemy, Satan. He was freeing people from that. And that was just the beginning of an understanding of what the freedom could look like in Christ and trusting him with your whole life, not just that one condition. He was doing good work, but, but when Jesus really sought the Lord, he saw that there were limitations in his life. So, to, to emulate Christ, to live like Jesus, we have to acknowledge that we have limitations. So, if Jesus had them, our limitations 
aren't sinful and are not meant to lead us to regret, grief, anxiety, and guilt. They're not. Because if Jesus acknowledged them, and he's sinless when he goes to the cross, then we have to be able to go through that same process in a healthy way. That's the hope that we're called to. Now, limitations. I want to talk about um, what limitations really exist for. Because I think sometimes we look at, you know what, limitations are really just to remind me that I can't do enough. But hang on a second, before we go there. Limitations, limitations exist, I believe, to increase our reliance on God. What do we see Jesus do? He was in... Jesus could have continued the work he was doing. He could have pushed through. He could have had his disciples kind of go out and start organizing people. I don't know how you would organize like a Jesus-level healing session. I don't know if it's like, okay, all like um, broken limbs over here, all leprosy right here. All, you know, like, I don't know how Jesus like would organize that in a chart. But, but, I mean, he could have sent people out and said, all right, get them organized. I need half an hour, and I'll come back out and jump into it. But he realized, okay, I've got a decision. Do I stay and continue, or do I go and, and in that moment, what did he do? He, he, he went to a place to where he could seek the Lord. And say, hang on a second. Why, he, he, didn't just, he didn't just know. Man, it's just the great mystery of, of God in the flesh. Did he know so many things that he only knew because he was God in the flesh? Yes. But he still sought the Lord in every single moment that he could, in every single decision. So much of what he did for others came out of time that he retreated to the Lord for his own self, his own restoration. So we see that it increases our reliance on God. Just realizing that we can't do everything opens me up to say, okay, then I need to rely on help. For many of us, we're like, hey, we're, we're, you know, we get in the, the spouse mode of reliance. Okay, I can't be at this, so you need to cover this. Or we, we, we cover it between family. We use parents. We use grandparents. We use all this stuff. We try to figure out how we're going to cover things instead of saying, okay, Lord, I just, need to, I just need to practically rely on you. Let me hear from you, God. See, that's actually where reliance on the Lord starts. Not in God help me out of this jam, but Lord, what should I do? That's really where reliance comes in. Um, Limitations also exist, I believe, to free us to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Um, If you go into, and there's a passage that that we may have time to look at, we may not. um, It's over in Luke chapter 12. Jesus actually specifically teaches this concept that, that when you really walk close with the Lord, that you can trust that the Holy Spirit will give you words that you need to say, guidance on where to go, instructions for life. You'll be able to truly rely on the fact that that will be there when you need it. Now, if you're like me, I want it a year in advance at least, right? Wouldn't that be great? Um, Lord, where, where, where should I put my kids in school before I even have kids? Um, who should I marry when I'm 12? Like, who, like come on, Lord, like, can, can we speed this, this information revelation process up? Can we get it way in advance? But, but God's timing, again, it's not, it's not exactly matches what we want the rhythm of our life always to look like. So our limitations, realizing that, that I can't do everything, helps us to, to really trust and follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, knowing that if we're relying on the Lord, then, then the Holy Spirit's direction for us would be sinless. It would be perfect. Um, it, it, it may be difficult, but it, but it will be ultimately be where the Lord wants us to go if that's really the desire of our heart. Limitations also exist to free us from the burdens of expectations. Do you struggle? Do you struggle with expectations that people have for you? Some of us in our careers, um, we, we, we're constantly thinking, what do I need to do to, to gain the grace and, 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 the, and the approval of this person based on where I need to go? Now, the Bible speaks clearly 
that as Christians, we ought to be, I believe, we ought, we ought to be the best employees on, in, in the building. Like, the, the, our willingness to say um, that we're respectful of authority ought to be at the highest level because the Bible instructs us towards that. Because so many times, authority really doesn't defy the gospel the way that we almost want it to so we can defy authority. But as Christians, we, we really get in this mode of we really start to, we kind of find ourselves seeking approval because we really are seeking a position. And what that can do behind the scenes spiritually is really pull us away from, Lord, where would you put me that I could be used for your kingdom and, and trust that I'll be content there? Where will I be content in you? Um, and and it's, it's just a, it's such a powerful thing for us to be able to see. Some of us, we don't, um, it's not necessarily even the expectations others put on us. Um, if, this, is where I, this is where I really struggle. I struggle with expectations that I, I assume you have for me in friendship, marriage, from my kids. I'm at like uh, across the board. That's how I practice it. I don't, I don't know if you're the kind, same kind of person I am, and you actually, in your mind, you go, okay, this is what this person expects of me, and it's like you hand it to them and then take it back from them to carry on your shoulders. Realizing that we have limitations, realizing that we can only really seek to please one and trusting that if we please that one, it's enough for everyone. I've only found that really sustainable in my relationship with Jesus. If I could just go try to please my wife, I'm going to fail pleasing someone else. If I go to try to please my kids, I'm going to fail pleasing my wife or someone else. But if I really go and seek pleasing the Lord, then I have to trust and rely that that's going to be enough for all relationships in my life for him to be able to work through. Does that mean everybody's going to be happy with you? No, no, no. Hey, hey, listen, I'm here to pop that bubble this morning. If you're here, if you're watching online, wherever you are, if you believe it is a reality that everyone at some point on a perfect day will be happy with you, if I had a needle and could reach out, I would pop it for you. Not because I want to be like a depressing voice in your life, but, but, but we, we, if, those are dangerous expectations. Like that's a, that's a dangerous thought line. And some of us are actually kind of living the evidence that we may actually believe that that's possible. We're trying to attain that. Lastly, um, limitations I believe exist to focus us to find our giftedness and God's call on our life. What is the result of the time that Jesus spent in prayer secluded, where he could really hear the guidance and the voice of the Lord? He was able to come back and speak to where the Lord wanted him to go, missionally, for a purpose. Now, in that, consider the difference, right? There, there's, there's two responses. Did, did you catch those? Jesus said with assurance, he said, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why that I have come. In other words, Jesus is looking at saying, okay, what is the greatest need? He realized that he needed to go preach the truth of God's word, the truth of who he was. He needed to present that in strategic places so that the proof would begin to be seen, that hearts would start to turn to him because he was moving on to his intended big picture purpose on this planet of death for sin, payment for, for sin, resurrection for new life in him, and going to eternity to communicate that that is our ultimate home and he's who's coming back for us. He knew that is, with that ahead, this is what I've got to do right now. It was, it was incredible insight into his decision making, into what to say no to and what to say yes to. But there was another voice. Did you catch it before that? It says, Simon and his companions searched for him and when they found him, they said... Everyone is looking for you. See, 
Jesus made a decision out of the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The disciples came with a statement that the result was the result of the feeling of pressure, feeling of expectation. What did they say? Everyone's looking for you. Was everyone actually looking for him? No. I, I don't believe that every single human being that, that was within a geographical area was saying, we need to know where Jesus is right now at this moment. We're searching for him. I don't think everybody was out looking. I think this is evidence of how the disciples felt. They came from a crowd that it was enamored with Jesus' power. And people were coming with more and more needs. And they saw that and they said, okay, something's got to be done. I'm feeling the pressure. And, and, and i got to go to the one that I know has to. So, so I've got to do my part. So they show up saying, hey, you, you need to do something, Jesus, because everyone is looking for you. I think if we really look at our lives, we'll see times, we'll see moments where we were on the verge of having to make a decision and we were dri being driven much more by the pressure of what we felt as compared to the guidance of the Holy Spirit and where the Lord wanted us ultimately to go. Because where he wants us to go is not just a target. It's going to line up a lot like Jesus. What is our ultimate destination? What's the ultimate goal? To give glory to God and, and, to, and to be in his kingdom. Okay? Now that's going to happen in different stages. It happens in our life as a process now, and it happens ultimately in eternity. So this is how it changes us. This is how it radically changes us. If I know that there's a, there's a, there's a forever kingdom of the Lord, there's a message of how to get into that kingdom. It's called the gospel. And there's a way to live our life. It's called the gospel as well. Then I'm going to be in pursuit of sharing that in strategic ways all along my life's path because that's the ultimate destination that I, want to, I, I know I'm committed to be at because of what the Lord has done in my life. And I want to bring others with me. And I want to also walk through life with other people. So if we look, okay, say, okay, there's the ultimate destination. That's what we're ultimately aiming at. And for the glory of God, for people to know him and see him and understand him clearly now all along that path. If we say, okay, we know that's what we're ultimately up to, then, then what's the current play out of that plan in my life, in, in the way that God would lead it to, God, where God specifically would lead me. And I think just in a moment, we can really probably rationalize a lot of our decisions about job changes, financial moves, where we're going to live, what's, when we're going to start families, how we're going to raise kids, we, we, you know, how our relationship is going to go, how we're going to resolve conflict. We, we, can, we can really process through so many things, especially when we catch ourselves going, hey, I'm, I'm really pacing myself for the pressure of expectation and of fear and, and of all these things. I'm not really saying, all right, Lord, lead. Lord, help me follow. I want to be and I want to go where you want me to be. The gospel tells us um, clearly to not misunderstand this passage. Some people would look at this passage and say, okay, Jesus in some way um, is, is kind of speaking against social justice to help those that are, that are in need. Uh, that, that's not what it's saying. Uh, in fact, if Jesus keeps his word and he goes to a series of the next towns preaching the gospel, and you know what he does while he's there? Same thing that he would have done if he had stayed. He, he healed sickness. He cast out demons. Um, he, he did all of those things, but strategically and purposed for the gospel. Now, it, it doesn't even just show up in kind of directional decisions. Jesus is um, wrestling with when to say yes and when to say no um, really tracks in a lot of different areas. I want to mention this last one to you before we close. Um, and it's out of Luke 12. 
And I told you that Jesus communicated specifically this message um, to his followers that the Holy Spirit would give them um, not just words, but decisions and actions and directions. He says this in verse 12, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what must be said. He's talking to them about, hey, having the right words at the right time. What follows is a conversation he has with someone. A guy comes up to him and he grabs a hold of Jesus because Jesus is a, is a perfect teacher. And in these days, a teacher of the, of the word, a teacher of what they thought was the law, they would be able to bring them in into their life situations to make decisions, to speak into their life, to give advice. You got anybody that's trying to pull you constantly into drama? Okay, if they're beside you, just do this. Blink real fast, and we'll just know that we're just, we'll, we'll send a lifeboat to you a little bit later today. <laughs> Some of y'all didn't even blink. Y'all just went ahead and looked. Um, Sometimes we have someone that's trying to bring us in. You, you ever wrestle with how to say yes and no to people when they, have, when they want you to be part of something? When they, when they call you with something, when they need something, and you really struggle with, what do I say yes or no to this? This is one thing that I believe Jesus really calls us to consider. Um, this is really what he does. It, let me just read it from the story directly. Verse 13 um, out of Luke 12. Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, um, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, he said to him, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? He then told them, watch out, be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. He then goes on and tells a parable about someone who really just sinks all their life into material gain and the storage of that material gain to the point that at the end of their life, unexpectedly their life ended way sooner than what they thought and they came to a moment where they realized I've invested everything in money and I've invested zero in my relationship with the Lord. Jesus in his no to this individual, he says, listen, he comes to Jesus with his problem. Hey, here's my problem. Jump into this, way into this, solve this for me. And Jesus says, hey, listen, that's not my place to solve that. But I see, I see the whole spiritually in your life. Let me speak into that. Let me fill in there. And what he gives him in that moment is so much more of what he needs. Now, what do, what do I think the result of is this? I think if this guy is wrapped up in, in, the, in, the, in the stuff and the messiness of life, if he's as wrapped up as I get wrapped up sometimes, Jesus probably laid out the perfect lesson, and he was like, nah. And he just walked away to find somebody else to help him. But I believe because it's God's word. What does, it, what does the Bible say about God's word? It always goes out and it achieves the purpose that it's intended to achieve. It never returns void. I believe that that word went into his heart. And I think at some point in his life, he had a moment where this lesson came back in and went, man, things are off track. But Jesus didn't give him just, hey, you're wrong. He gave him, hey, here's how you can live right. Here's how you can aim your life in the correct direction. And he gave him that. I mean, figuring out how we're going to say yes and how we're going to say no to different people is a pretty difficult situation. If you're a graduate this morning and you're, and you're looking at your future, you know, so many people spend so much time in school and many adults, we spend time in training um, and, and we equip ourselves in so many ways that many times we, we end up with, with two good opportunities. And, and we really struggle with those, right? I mean, everybody can make the decision between, hey, here's a, here's a six-figure job with great benefits and low hours. Here's one that pays half of minimum wage and you're going to need to work 100 hours a week. I think we know which one to say yes or no to. That's not so much where we struggle. We really wrestle with what's the best? What's the ultimate direction that I need to go? 
And can I tell you, none of us are ever going to end up there unless we develop the spiritual habit of really seeking the Lord. You say, okay, on what level do I need to seek Him? I, believe, I can only speak for my life. You'd be amazed at the decisions that I can mess up. I can mess stuff up, I can mess stuff up on a level that you never experienced before. You can take the simplest thing that you have to decide today, and I can blow it up into the most ridiculous situation just in my head that I, I would exhaust you. You would just walk away. You would pray, God, send someone else right now. In fact, no, God, don't send anybody else. This guy needs to just be alone in the room. And you would just leave the room. I believe I have learned in my life there is no limit to what I can struggle with. I need to seek him on everything. Everything. Because the gap of what God knows versus what I know is so great that I can't trust that I'm just okay at my level. Have you ever walked through a building with someone that has pretty high level of authority? Um, there's a few firemen in here. I, I've been to some of the stations where you're, some of you guys work. Not long, not, well, it's actually, I, I'm, I'm off in my timing because of COVID. Is everybody else struggling with that? Like something, I'm, I'm like, yeah, that was six months ago. No, it was like two years ago. Um, I was over uh, where Jeff Starkey works. And he was showing me the whole building. And because he works there and they love Jeff. Like, he, like I'm going through the whole, I'm, I'm in places that I probably shouldn't have been. Right? Like, I mean, you know, clearly there's people looking at me like, you don't belong here. And if you go with someone who has authority, it's amazing how far you can go behind the scenes, right? Because if I just walk in the building, there's only a certain amount that I have access to that I'm supposed to have access to. Very similar situation spiritually. When we really walk closely with Jesus, we get places that we would have never ended up on our own. Because we don't have the authority. We, we have limitations that God doesn't have. We have limitations to what we can foresee on the other side. And it, and it takes such a humbling to go, Lord, for what I can't see and what I can't know, I'm going to depend on you. And I'm going to trust that the direction that you send me already has the answers to all my questions. And when I see those, Lord, I'm going to give you praise and honor and credit. I mean, really, have you not? I mean, I... I, don't, I still have no idea why my wife said yes to marry me. I know why I asked her. I have no idea why she said yes. But when I asked her, and I think if you've ever been married, you would, you would probably be able to agree with this. When I asked her, I had no idea what one yes meant on the other side of it. I say it often. I believe God knew that I'm so hard-headed and I'm so stubborn and I'm so self-absorbed that I needed someone in my house that would live so humbly before the Lord that I would see it and out of my great love for her, she would be used to increase my, the depth of my love for Jesus. And if you're not sitting beside that spouse this morning, we'll counsel you, okay? Like, we'll be there for you too. I, like, I, I, I never knew. But God guided me towards that. Some of you have experienced that in a church family. You're like, I don't even know why I tried that place. I thought they were crazy. But you got into that church family, and maybe that's this church family, and, and, and you're like, man, the Lord, you've spoke to me since I've been here. I, like it wouldn't have been maybe the place I would have picked ordinarily, but, but God, you've spoken. Because again, remember, his guidance leads to all what we don't know we even need yet. But this morning, 
I really want to encourage you to take the habits and the pattern of Jesus. Don't get grieved over limitations that you have. When two things line up and you've got to choose one, please don't let that beat you down. When someone expects everything from you and you just know that there's no way you can deliver all of that, please don't let that drag you deep into anxiety and worry and fear and depression. Really take the example of Jesus to say, I have limitations, but for a purpose. So that I can walk in freedom of expectation. I can walk free from guilt. I can walk in dependency of the Lord. I can find the direction. Because if we can do it all, that means every direction we have to go. My mind can't even take that in. We can find the direction and the answer for what the Lord has in front of us. But it comes, please catch it, if you didn't catch it already, it it must come with us seeking the Lord. So what does that mean? If I don't seek Jesus, then I'm deciding on my own. And just the sound of that kind of sends a chill down my spine. So if you're a graduate, if, if you're deciding about school, work, whatever it is, then seek the Lord. If you're contemplating relationship decisions, seek the Lord. Career decisions, seek the Lord. If you've got two good things to choose from, seek the Lord. If you've got somebody who, who, who you have, you're just so deep in how you've let them down or how you can't live up to their expectations and you carry them so firmly, then seek the Lord. Would you bow your heads for just a few minutes? Um, as we celebrate, and this is a season I, I, really, I really pray and, and, and want to live through with you as a season of celebration, I really hope the word of the Lord is clear to you this morning. Jesus shows us in his, out of his own life. It may not always be popular, the answer that you or I need to come up with next. It may not seem clear to everyone But this life of living with Jesus that we've been studying about in Acts, this thing isn't just a story we hear others tell about. This is something that we learn to live out day after day after day. It's amazing all that God knows in advance. I had a conversation. I had a conversation with with Daniel Brand this week. We we met in, in one of the rooms here in our church, and we requested prayer for his son Will last week, and he shared just the details of all that happened. Um, there were multiple people in that room as, as the accident happened and, and as he had to get airlifted and rushed to the hospital and had a life-saving surgery. The Lord used the doctors, the nurses, the staff that way. Um, he explained to me just all that, he's seen, how, all that he saw God do just in such a quick moment to save the life of his son. But as we stayed in that conversation, we also talked about for each of those people that contributed to those life-saving actions, what path did God lead them on in the past to give them that training? One of his other sons that put a tourniquet on his leg, he spent time in the military. He had to come out of the military. He's got physical issues from his time in service that he's still dealing with and wrestling with. But it was that time in service that he learned what he learned and what he used in that moment. And it just blew our minds at how God wasn't just working in a moment, but he was working in years and years and years past. God's plan is that perfect and it's that big. And it's everything from what's going to go on for the rest of the day to to the great purposes of how you see your life. 
If I can just ask for anything, it's just to open your heart to trust Jesus, to seek Him, to not carry what you've carried for probably a little bit too long. If you don't know that you have a relationship with Jesus, we'd love to talk to you about how that relationship can begin today. After I pray in a moment, I'll be standing up front. There'll be others that will be here in the service that could talk to you about what does it mean to receive salvation through Jesus, to know you have a relationship with God, that eternity is, is secure, and that right now you walk closely with the Lord and the guidance of His Spirit, and you can seek Him daily. We want to invite you into that relationship. If there's anything else that you need to pray over, pray with somebody with, we'd like to invite you to be able to have the freedom to do that. Lord, thank you so much, God, for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we honor you and we lift you up. Lord, we, we don't know everything we need, so we, Lord, we come humbly to you trusting that you do. God, for the decisions that our graduates have right now in life, for the decisions that we as adults have in life, no matter what those are, God, help us to understand that, that you do have a plan. That following you and seeking you and staying close to you is, is, the, is the best way to hear that plan because we're listening and we're hearing from you regularly. God, seeking you, removing some distractions, and, 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 and really, God, getting vision and direction from you is so vital because even others around us, they'll be, they'll be, giving, they'll be giving in to the pressure of, of, of those voices. And God, we don't want to live, in, live under that kind of pressure. Well, we want to live in the freedom of what you give us and how you guide us. So God, no matter how big or small the decision may seem, no matter how difficult a commitment to that may be, God, help our, our trust and our boldness, Lord, and you be the, Lord, the grace that we cling to. God, I pray that if someone needs to seek a relationship and find a relationship with you this morning, that they will find it now. We'll be able to pray together and begin to walk closer together in faith in Jesus. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me?